Hey there, folks. This is Always Be Watching. It's our weekly discussion about what we've been watching. My name is Dan Barrett, and I'm joined by the original AFOL himself. It's Mr. Chris Yates. Hi, Dan. It's nice to be here. Yeah, and that's an adult friend of Lego? Fan, I think. Fan. No, we're not making friends with the Lego. It's an inanimate <laughs> object, Dan. Come on. We're, we're sensible, mature adults. <laughs> sure you are. <sighs> now, as with every sensible, mature adult, you have thoughts on TV shows you've been watching. I do, and I'd like to share them with my good buddy, Dan. I think we just explained the very premise of this here podcast. Yes. Um, We've been friends for 15 years. We like to talk to each other about television shows. Indeed. And we're going to do that for the next 20 odd minutes. Excellent. Um, Now, Chris, before we get too much further in, I just want to give a thanks to the good people at Vape Dads. That's a band. Yes, Uh, it is. They created the music for us that both opens and closes this here podcast. Thanks, Vape Dads. Yeah. And big thanks to, to SER, who gave us the studio space to allow us to talk into microphones. Excellent. A community radio station in Sydney, Australia, where we live. Indeed. Excellent. Um, I'm going to do this, Dan, mm-hmm. and ask you what you've been watching. Unexpected. Chris, I am going to talk to you about a show called The Act. This is the state's case against Gypsy Rose Blanchard. She's got paraplegia, epilepsy, heart murmurs, and she's allergic to sugar. Everything I do, I do for her. My mom is my best friend. All she wants to do is keep me safe. Have you been able to confirm the girl's medical history? Which part? Any of it. So this is a new Hulu series called The Act. Are you across this one at all? Not at all, surprisingly. Okay, so this is Patricia Arquette is one of the leads in this. She's joined by Joey King, who's a young actress. Now, people may know Joey King from the excellent art house film, White House Down. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, she was the daughter of uh, that guy who's really quite funny and charming and buff. What's his name? <laughs> Chevy Chase. Uh, Chan- Sorry, that's what I mean. Uh, Channing Tatum. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, you know him. He's dreamy. Very dreamy. Yeah. You just get lost in those eyes and those biceps. Totally. So, you've got these two. They play a mother and daughter. And what's going on in this, it's based on a BuzzFeed article about two real-life people. You've got Gypsy Rose, who's the young girl in it, and Dee Dee Blanchard, who's the woman being played by Patricia Riquette. Sorry, I zoned out for a minute. Can you go back to the start of that spiel? Okay, I'm just going to do it from the beginning. No, I'm, I'm, this is part of the show. We're not doing a re-edit. Okay. Just, what did you say? It's based on a what? It's based on a BuzzFeed article. <laughs> That's what I thought you said. BuzzFeed do some serious reporting, Chris. It's just like, where? where I'm just, I've, I've just never heard that before. No, it's this really good feature story, which was about this horrible crime that happened. And I'm not spoiling too much. I should say with this show, you want to go in fairly clean. It's best not to know too much because the horror of the series <laughs> right. is best experienced in real time. But the story plays around with fractured narratives and when you start the series, it begins with the police rocking up at the door where a terrible grisly murder has taken place. Mm-hmm. That's all you know there. And then it flashes back and we find these two people. Uh, the girl is probably like about 12 years old. The series takes place over a number of years. Mm-hmm. But you've got this 12-year-old girl of whom is suffering from every disease imaginable. Okay, she's in a wheelchair, she's bald, her mother shaves her head for some reason. Uh, she's got a uh, tube, like a feeding tube in yeah. her. Like, everything is just terrible for this girl. She can't eat sugar. Like, there's just... Oh, my God, that's the worst. That was the all. biggest thing yeah, of all yeah. for me. That was the true horror. Yes, you know, I get it. I get it. Anyway, as you find out by the end of the first episode, all is not as it appears because this mother, who's a little bit overprotective and overly engaged with, you know, her daughter, of whom says that her mom's her best friend... Mm-hmm. 
uh, you find out that she doesn't actually have many, if any, of these diseases at all. And really, it's some sort of major put on. Right. I'm trying to remember exactly how the first episode plays out, but I think it really comes to the point where you don't know whether it is a con that's being performed by the two of them because they have just been given a house after their place was washed away by Hurricane Katrina. Ah. Okay, or whether or not the daughter is being manipulated by the mother to believe she has diseases that she does not. Right. Yeah, so that is the conceit of the series. Great premise. The series is by this guy named Nick Antosca. He's responsible for... Look... When it comes to horror shows, mm-hmm. I don't think horror translates well to TV. There's something about the pacing and the rhythm that doesn't quite translate yeah, to sure. a, a TV sort of uh, environment. But he's created one of the few genuinely creepy TV shows, which is this show on Sci-Fi Channel of all places, because most of their shows are garbage. Right. Uh, it's this thing called Channel Zero, which if you've never seen Channel Zero, check out the show. Don't do any reading on it at all. All right, I'm putting it in my list. But yeah, every season of that show is its own self-contained story of like six episodes. And it is generally creepy and uncomfortable and maybe the most compelling thing you'll probably watch in whatever year you choose to actually watch this show. Wow. Really good. So when I heard he was doing this show, I'm like, I need to check this out. And while this is a very human story about two people that are not what they appear to be, there's something about the relationship here that is so genuinely creepy that it brings all the elements that he had in these horror channel wow. zero series and has brought it to like this very human relatable story excellent stuff anyway the performances are amazing at the end of this year you're going to find both of them will be nominated probably for emmy awards and while they may not win i definitely guarantee you're going to see joey king walk away with the golden globe all right okay. you're gonna, i can bet on that I, I, can... I think you can like she is absolutely incredible in this and Patricia Arquette is just, you know, she's gold as well. Well, she's an amazing act- actor who hasn't had a good um, run, really, who got, you know, sort of neglected by Hollywood yeah. for many years or for, she, by the industry. She did also have another TV show this year, which is that Escape from Dunamora. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I did hear a little yeah. bit about that. And apparently that. she's very good in that as well. But um, yeah, yeah, so she'll get nominated for one of the two. But yeah, the act, I think, is just this underrated gem that no one's talking about. It's in the US on Hulu. In Australia, it doesn't have a broadcast partner yet. Um, are you expecting it to have one? At some uh, point it'll or? pick up at some point. It will get, it will get so, yeah. picked up. Keep your eye out for it. It's a bit of a generic name. Yes, that's it. It's kind of yeah. hard to... And that's the struggle. Uh, and when you see the cover art with the two of them together, like it's really unappealing looking, but spend 10 minutes on it and you are in on this. I'm sold. Yeah, it's very good. Excellent. Now, Chris, let's move on. What have you been watching? Well, as you may know, Dan, I uh, have a few, a couple of young children. Mm. I have one who is about almost five and one that is almost two. And as a consequence of that, I've been watching a lot of Bluey. Bluey! Bluey, that's my toothbrush. This episode of Bluey is called Teasing. Give it back. Bluey, stop teasing your sister. But she was teasing me first. You're teasing me second. I don't want any teasing, first or second. Now, Chris, I don't have two kids, but everyone's been telling me to watch Bluey. I think I think you would enjoy it. Now, I must say, just up straight, I'm not. <laughs> we're not confusing the show um, with the excellent 1976 uh, Australian cop action, um, very serious series, Bluey, um, starring Lucky Grills. Can I tell you a very personal Lucky Girls <laughs> related story? 
Okay, so the reason why I know my wife, and I don't know if you know this. No, I don't think I do. Okay, so back in the day, in the early days of the internet, mm-hmm. there was, it was after dial-up, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, there was a Triple J forum where mm-hmm. it was talking about the, t- the TV. It was the TV Freak Boys forum. Oh, yes. Anyway, there was a evening where I met up with a bunch of people that used to chat on that forum. And one of the people brought along her housemate, which is my wife, Sarah. And so that's how I know her. I was going to say, I don't imagine she would have been big on the forum herself. No, I think she posted every so often, but you know, whatever. So she wasn't there for that, but it was a bit of a social catch up. And it's like, oh, you know, we've been talking for ages on this forum. And it's, you know, good to see in real life. Let's celebrate with a beer together. Nice. Had all of that going on. But I thought, you know what? I've been talking to these people online for a while. I'm going to bring along like just some like dumb gifts. And I was in a like variety discount store like a few weeks prior. And I came across Lucky Grills's album. And I don't even remember what was happening on the album, if it was spoken word or if he was singing. I think but he- it was cassette tapes. <laughs> right. And I thought, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of these for the dollar each or whatever they Wow, cost. you found multiple unused copies, brand new yeah. mint copies of the Lucky Grills album, of which I'm clearly Googling now. Let's not call them mint. But I took a pile of them and gave them to people. And some people thought it was hilarious. Other people had no idea what this was about. And obviously, the woman that is now my wife had no idea what it was about. <laughs> so I just want to say, kids, if you're looking to get somewhere romantically, the key, lucky rules. Well, of course. And, of, and, of, and of, well, of, we would have known nothing about um, the show Bluey had it not been for the late show's um, barge-ass um, reinterpretation of it, which was, of course, the very low budget but very effective um, comedy segment they had where they would re-overdub. Well, Tony Martin and friends, I will call it, would overdub um, episodes of... Um, Bluey. <laughs> of Bluey. With lots of fart noises. With fart noises and stuff. Um, I'm wondering if the album you bought was um, Buck's Night Party. But it's exactly Grills, it. <laughs> which came out surprisingly in 1987 quite a little <laughs> way um after his heyday i would argue um and um the other <clears throat> uh it, you might be interested to learn that he was actually he lived in brisbane um and was somewhat approachable for a while there until he realized people were calling him to ask him to call him barge ass uh which is pretty funny as he as he um yeah, he's probably gone by the time i got to brisbane as he aged um and uh, oh Sorry. You're watching some barge ass there? No, is that what's going on? Ads on Discord. What's going on? Um, so anyway, you can... You're watching Sunrise? It's just an ad. So anyway, I don't know how we're going to... Uh, good luck editing that one out. Yeah. No, um, easy clean edit. Uh, barge ass, people coming up to him. Yes. Um, so... We've talked enough about the wrong Bluey. Now let's talk about the right Bluey. So anyway, Bluey is a cartoon for kids. Sorry, I was thinking this was a Lucky Girls Appreciation <laughs> yeah, no, Podcast. Could definitely be. Well, there's definitely, um, there's there's money in that for sure. Um, Bluey is a seven-minute um, cartoon uh, that is for children that is on the ABC Kids Network that was um, made in conjunction with the BBC um, Kids Network that I can't remember the name of. Um, and I think it's BBC that actually have the... The, the the majority ownership in it but it's interesting um for many reasons one in that it doesn't suck unlike 97 percent of the other terrible te- terrible terrible television programs that my ch- child makes me watch um it's it's being lauded for having a relatable father character which is something that might um be impressive to me as a relatable father myself um voiced by uh david mccormack who is the vocalist and so- one of the songwriters and one of the vocalists from the band custard i've heard of them i know how much you like custard dan <laughs> um 
and he's a very he's a very charming, charismatic man, and his voice comes across very well. And he does a, such a fantastic job as Bluey's dad, the archaeologist, which is a bit of a funny joke if you think about it, because he's a dog, right? Because um, oh, they dig up bones. They dig up bones. Yeah. Um, the show is set in Brisbane, which is also you know quite interesting. It's beautifully drawn. The um, it, it actually captures that kind of... I'm trying to work out. I'm guessing that they live somewhere near like Highgate Hill, I reckon, based on the angle of the the cityscape that you see in the background. But That's fantastic. I used to live in Highgate Hill. I know. Hill. It reminds me actually of that sort of spot, I reckon. And like, um, you know, just the colours are fantastic. The It's really nice seeing some relatable um, lo- locations and, la- and landmarks, even though they don't play up to that. It's just... It's a nice little in, inside nod, I guess. Yeah, no, I keep meaning to watch this because obviously there's Dave McCormack connection, so that, that's something I want to check out. Yeah. But also I keep being told that this is actually a entertaining TV show it that really, I should pay it, attention to. It really is. It's really funny. It's really, really cute. They deal with stuff, um, you know, it doesn't get it doesn't get too serious. It's mostly just really about the kids playing, um, the big fantasy imagination worlds, um, the kids playing amongst themselves, the kids playing with their, with their dad. I think um, dad spends a lot more time at home with the kids than the mom, so that's one of the reasons that it's a bit more interesting there too. Um, you rarely see, you know, even in the sort of more progressive cartoons, you rarely sort of see th- like those stay-at-home dads. Yeah, you don't really see that sort of challenge very yeah. very much at all. Now, and, correct me if I'm wrong, but these are fairly short cartoons as well. Yeah, it's seven minutes, which is about. I think it's the same length as Peppa Pig, so it's kind of that same. Yeah. They just um, I, it, there's probably some exact time length that all these shows are for them to all be um, put on there and together. I read some excellent stats on it this morning that it, um, before. At 8 a.m. in the morning, it's um, the most watched show by humans under the age of four. Doesn't um, surprise you. You might not be too surprised to hear. And um, the, the, the actual genesis of it is pretty interesting. It was an animator and a, and a writer who um, went to, who's from Brisbane, who went to the UK and who worked on a show called Charlie and Lola, which is not one of the worst. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll be so kind as to say it's a, one of the better sort of shows in that same sort of yeah. you know age group. And it's genre. very popular. I'm pretty sure it's on the ABC Kids here. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And um, but yeah, but I th- I just think it's really gone up a notch. Um, they've they've really taken it up a notch into what you know most people have come to expect from these sort of shows. And it's incredible that it's um, connected so well with Australian you know audiences. It's like um, the the most downloaded show on iView, or the most watched show on iView. All these kind of great stats coming out for it and um we're about i think we're about halfway through the second season as far as broadcast goes on tv so hopefully there will be many more to come i'm sure if you have children you already know way too much about bluey and this will be a um not news at all but if you uh for some reason haven't seen it um definitely make an effort yeah i feel none of this is a surprise to anyone who's paid attention to the world no. and then <laughs> and like this show you know these they're not all garbage these shows but there's a very high percentage of them that are um even objectively speaking and i think that um yes there's that hopefully i would like to see and I, you know it'd be great to see this sort of spark a bit more of a um you know a wave of australian made shows for kids too because we've kind of you know we've lost our way there a little bit i think as we have with a lot of australian production yeah so that's bluey it's on abc um iview and broadcast presumably in the bbc as well presumably i think so yes but that takes me to a very important question that i've been dying to ask dan what have you been watching now before parks and recreation came along there was probably only one good comedy through the entire 2000s from the US. <laughs> oh, this is a good conversation. I feel like this is a bigger conversation than we've got time for. But Absolutely is. Do go on. Now, I'm pretty sure you know which show I'm talking about here. During the 2000s? Yeah. There was only one good show. 30 Rock? 
Oh, sorry, I forgot about 30 Rock. <laughs> All, there are three good shows. There's 30 Rock, there's Parks and Recreation, and... The Office. The Office. Yes. Now, one of the writers from The Office, he's gone off and created his own show. And I would say this is the heir apparent to The Office. Oh, my God. Broadcast TV in US, no one is watching anymore. Mm-hmm. And outside of the occasional thing that's got on like some Netflix distribution, no one's really talking about any of these programs. And I think it's a massive shame that this program isn't getting talked up because I think this is genuinely one of the greats. I'm talking about NBC's sitcom, Superstore. We're still short-staffed, so if you happen to be walking through the parking lot at night and there's a loose cart, maybe just grab it and stick it in the corral. Gotta round up those doggies. Yeah! That's the saddest yeehaw I've ever heard. Yeah, I I bailed on it. Carol? I hate to even bring this up, but should Sandra be here? I thought she was fired. Yes, she was. Until she started talking about unions. Apparently firing someone for trying to unionize is considered retaliation. I would accompany that statement with a vigorous jerking back and forth hand gesture, but that's also prohibited. Okay, now for the rest of you cowpokes, let's saddle up and get. The Western thing is just not in your wheelhouse. Amy, could I say a few words? Um, okay. Screw management. Okay. Once we clock out, Amy can't make us do a damn thing. If you see a loose card in the parking lot, you can kick it over or shove it in the traffic. Seems like just as much work. Also, managers can't give us polygraph tests. I wasn't planning on giving anyone a polygraph test. Well, good, because we ain't taking one, Amy. Mm -hmm. Stay strong, people. Woo! Chris Yates, for as long as I've known you, which is like 15 odd years now, You've been a huge fan of TV sitcoms. Absolutely. How across Superstore are you? Not at all. Haven't this, even heard of it. This is what I suspected. I've been waiting all week. Actually, I've been wanting to talk about this for, you know, since we started the podcast. I've only just gotten around to it now. Superstore is absolutely the show for you. This is set in a, uh, it's like a Walmart. So for an Australian equivalent like Kmart. You know what? I do know I, I, something came across me in this because um, uh, Mark McKinney, of yes. Kids in the Hall, right? Is that Absolutely. who Mark McKinney is? Yes, so the, I have heard of this. The three main stars of the show, it's an ensemble. Uh, you've got America Ferrara, who people would know from Ugly Betty. She was the titular Ugly Betty. Uh, you've got Ben Feldman, who was the guy from Mad Men. Uh, he played Ginsburg. Oh, yeah, yeah. loses his nipple in the final oh, sequence he's in. He's awesome. But yeah, he was like this little weird, quirky, uh, young Jewish guy who was trying to find a voice in the... Um, you know, non-Jewish workplace of Mad Men. Yeah. Uh, and then also Mark McKinney, who's one of the kids in the hall. Uh, Mark McKinney has a very strange voice and plays a very super Christian character. Yeah, right. And what I really like about this show is that a lot of the sitcoms that we've watched over the years and loved, a lot of them play very much the idea of the East and West Coast. It's very sophisticated. It's very, you know. For sure. Yeah. It's grown up comedy. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. definitely playing to a certain socioeconomic group and mindset, which I'll admit I'm firmly like, you know, one of the people most of these shows are geared to. Superstore plays are completely unlike that and really goes to sort of what you'd probably term as like Midwestern values for the US. Mm-hmm. And all the characters in it are people of whom haven't really been able to make it in life. They've found themselves working in a, you know, kind of crappy environment of a convenience store. Well, not convenience store, but department store sure, sure. type thing. Uh, it sells food as well as, you know, grocery, as, you know, just department store stuff. So there's this air of desperation that hangs around a lot of it. But every character in it has their own dream and aspiration and a belief of who they are and how they fit into the world. 
and all of them are quirky sort of lovable characters because it's a sitcom and you know it does this kind of thing uh you've got one character who's just left high school as the series begins but she's gotten pregnant so this guy who's just trailer park trash and uh there's the young gay asian guy of whom is very he's not really flamboyant but he's definitely um of a type but they don't really play into that too heavily he just kind of is the guy that he is uh you've got uh you know ike barinholtz from things like the mindy project and pretty mm. much every comedy you've seen from the last I'll, like I'll, 10 years i'll have a look I'll anyway do thing. this guy's brother he's one of the guys in the show and i don't think he comes into it for a couple of seasons i think they just slid him in at some ah. point i don't remember him like really entering the show but he was there before i really paid attention and then you've got Mark McKinney, who plays this uh, super Christian character of whom allows his Christianity and his uh, engagement in his local church to play way too big a role in his <laughs> management decisions. Excellent. No one's really treated dismissively, even though there's a lot of loser characters in it. It's a heartwarming, very... Um, it's hard to even really describe what the show is, because it's doing something which I don't see on TV very often, which is that it never makes fun of its characters. Mm-hmm. It celebrates the characters and their various quirks and eccentricities and where they're coming from in life. It feels a lot like Cheers. To a yeah, yeah, degree. right. And The Office, as much as they love the characters in that, there were still characters in it that got made fun of regularly and totally. were just the butt of all jokes. Superstore doesn't really do that. There's characters that are certainly the butt of jokes on a regular basis, but not really in as dismissive a mean way as you find a lot of sitcoms. I'm going to throw a show at you and ask you if there are some similarities, because yeah, sure. it sounds like there might be some. Party Down. Look, Party Down is probably a little bit edgier right. than what this is. This is a very traditional American comedy yeah. in every way. What I think is kind of cool is because it's set in a department store, you hear all the incidental music playing in the speakers behind. And the music budget on this show must be crazy because every like big, just awful song that you always hear in the background, <laughs> you know, like say like Smash Mouth uh, with like All Star. Uh, yeah. Like I guarantee that's been in an episode. It's songs like that just constantly playing through. And also the show does these really funny interstitials where just between scenes, you'll see people in the store shopping and they'll just do odd things. Uh, so I'm trying to think of a good example. It might be just a kid who decides to pick up a cornflakes box and just tip it over himself and then look around and then just put the box back on the shelf and walk off. Like just sort of just dumb little silly, just Maybe visual like moments. Some of the like, uh, you know, the, well, well, that's, that's interesting because, you know, there's, a, there's a big trend of like making fun of Walmart shoppers on um, the internet, which is of course yeah. mostly jerks punching down at poor people. And this show never punches down. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, people would probably look at it and accuse it of punching down, but I don't think that's really fair for what the show is actually doing. Well, I think it would be obvious and pretty easy to do that if it yeah. was doing it. So, yeah. Now, I will say, when the show first started, I wasn't much of a fan of the show. It took me quite a while to warm up to it. And whether that's because the show just wasn't very good at the start, but kind of found its voice after a while, or maybe it's me in the way that I actually approached the program. But I do think, jump into like, say, like a season three episode. Right, it's like, okay. It's like season five or six now. Yeah. Just jump in midway through, watch an episode or two. And if you're digging it, just go back to the go beginning to the and start. give it a look through. Because there's some very good performances and it's a very fun, interesting show. So is this like a 20-ish episode season or? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's, awesome. It's absolutely traditional American comedy in a way that no one else is really doing this anymore. And I think we are learning, uh, there was very recently... Um, oh, sorry, when I say not doing it anymore, I mean anything good anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's obviously lots of terrible sitcoms still running. Um, we learned very recently that uh, the most popular program on Netflix is The Office. Yeah. And a lot of people were shocked by that. Um, it doesn't surprise me. Me neither. And, I, and especially because I'm the kind of person that 
chucks that stuff on all the time and just watches it in the background and you know does it while I'm you know if I don't want to engage in something um <laughs> which is much which is often awesome. um and yeah no so yeah I've been uh wasn't at all surprised to see that but it seems like maybe it would be nice if we started to see a little bit more of this kind of programming getting made moving a little bit away from the more intelligent hour-long um you know dramedy kind of stuff which is great in when it's done well but also starting to really bore me to tears yeah uh, now, the show, it's it's so featherlight, it's actually kind of hard to talk about. I'm trying to express why it is that I actually really take to this program, and I can't really quite find the words for it. But I think, check it out. If you just want a traditional American sitcom that actually has genuine laugh out loud moments and interesting characters that you haven't really seen in sitcoms before, and some of these characters you've kind of seen in sitcoms before, but not really with the almost reverence that the show gives mm. them, definitely give it a look. How would I watch this show? Uh, so in Australia, it airs on Foxtel. I think Fox 8 might be the channel carrying it. Mm-hmm. But in the US, it's on you know NBC and Hulu. Excellent. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, we'll just have to find a. We'll just have to find a way. So Chris, while you're trying to find a way. Also, maybe to let us know, what have you been watching? Ah, uh, yes. Well, um, this is a bit of a recurring theme for me. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who doesn't always have the finger on the pulse of what's happening in the uh, television and the movie industry. Did you just discover the nanny? <laughs> no, oh, God. That, that, again, there's a separate podcast about the nanny. I'm happy to do that anytime you want, Dan. We'll jump into that headfirst um, and explain to you why that is one of the uh, all-time great accomplishments of uh, humankind. Even that episode with Elizabeth Taylor on it. It's probably Yes. Why not? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, so I have been delving back into the classic al- uh, the classic albums, the classic movies, and I have watched a film called Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Oh, wow. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! He says we're going the wrong way. Oh, he's drunk. How would he know where we're going? Yeah, how would he know? Thank you. Thanks a lot. So I was trying to like, yeah, I was finding it very hard to find something I wanted to watch. I wanted something familiar. I started watching all the Chevy Chase movies. I kind of it needed a little break from Chevy. Um, Is it because you watched Nothing But Trouble a well, few weeks that's ago? That's right. We talked recently about Nothing But <laughs> Trouble. And that did send me down this particular uh, spiral of like, I miss John Candy. What else did John Candy do? And I had the very strong memory of watching this movie. I don't, God, I, I must have watched it sort of, I probably watched it in my 20s. 20s, like 20 years ago, but I don't really, you know, I, I remember it very vividly, but I don't think I've gone out of my way to watch it recently. I've seen scenes from it. I don't think I've ever seen a whole film. Uh, it's it's incredible. So it's just, there's this real, um, one of the interesting things that I'll say straight away is, is I found it, it's highly enjoyable movie. It's, it's like... Um, it's When's it from? It's like 87? 87, I reckon. Um, yeah. And it's... So it's kind of in that peak uh, period of these guys being massive stars. Steve Martin is the main star. John Candy is the you know his his cohort. Um, his, Pre Harry Crumb, his foil. Yes, and um, it's it's like Harry Crumb. <laughs> I did. A, oh, jeez, that'll be next week's for sure. There's my next week's viewing sorted. I can't. Surely you could watch like an Uncle Buck before then. So the the, the really funny thing is, and this was something that I read recently in regard to. Um, the movie, uh, the Christmas Vacation, the Chevy Chase movie, mm. where you're expected to feel um, sympathy for Chevy Chase's character at the start because he doesn't get the Christmas bonus that he was going to use to buy a fifteen thousand dollar pool for his family in the backyard. And this is the yeah. way. This is the thing that every man's supposed to relate to, and every person's meant to go like, "Oh yeah, 
you know, poor Chevy, um, which at the time is exactly the reaction I think that was, you know, which, which which came, which was maybe aspirational and maybe also a sign of kind of where things were in the American economy at that point. But to try and suspend your disbelief to have any sympathy for him in that stage uh, is is pretty hard these days. And very similarly, um, uh, so this so this film is basically Steve Martin trying to get home for Thanksgiving. His flight's being cancelled and there's bad weather and everybody's panicking trying to get back. Um, the first uh, the first point you're supposed to feel sympathy uh, or empathy for um, Steve Martin is when he gets downgraded from first class to economy on the oh, flight. God. And he has to and he has to fly economy. Is that even possible? Is that, yeah, I know. How, how do people even do that? Um, which sees him sit, sat next to the travelling salesman, um, John Candy, and the start of John Candy just basically annoying the hell out of him for the whole way through. Um, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that really doesn't stand up too well. And so the two of them are trying to get to the same place? Yeah, ish. I think I think so. Yes, they're both heading to the same place. Probably Chicago? Uh, hmm. I kind of feel because this is a yes. John Hughes film. Yes, you're right. Of course, yeah. of course, John Hughes. Um, yes, they are trying. To, he is trying to uh, return to uh, St- Steve Martin is trying to return to Chicago from New York. So you're, you know, there's a whole bunch of great r- New Yorkers are so rude and yeah, moments at the start, which is excellent as well. And also that takes them through the U.S. Midwest. And that's right. So yeah. of course, yes, that um, where the they run real into America, the real America, where um, Steve Martin, of course, can't cope because he's a, a posh um, Chicagoan. Um, but uh, look, it's 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 very funny. It's it's kind of uh, it was highly enjoyable to watch again, even despite all the um, horrible stuff. Obviously, it doesn't stack up as badly as some of the other John Hughes movies. There's been a lot written about the um, you know the terrible kind of personal politics of a lot of this stuff. I think like you know nothing is dated worse than teen movies of the eighties. But I, I I can't help but thinking so much of that's because. These period, these these films were being edgy, and they were kind of they were trying to push the envelope of what was sort of considered, um, you know, like they were trying to do something different than what had been portrayed as than teenage portrayal in films previously. Yeah, they were also trying to um, be a bit more accurate, I think, and, and like really talk about you know teenage relationships in a way that was real and, and kind t- of relatable. Teenage pain. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you can't kind of have that without awful characters and without awful stuff happening. It's it like, was made light of a bit, and there was you know obviously. I, I often think about Freaks and Geeks, which is probably the only real thing I can connect to, like the John Hughes style of comedy. Sure. Because everything after that's been very sort of glossy and whatever. yeah, yeah. I but know. yeah, I wonder how long it's going to be until Freaks and Geeks suddenly rankles in that same way that John yeah. Hughes stuff does. And you already hear a few behind the scenes stories that you know, yeah, kind right. of echo that John Hughes environment. Sure, and you know the John Hughes thing kind of became the Judd Apatow thing, I guess. And that you know it's sort of like it's it's anyway. It's really there was of course I think it was all mostly sparked by a, a fantastic article Molly Ringwald wrote about her kid watching The Breakfast Club. I think it was and just you know, how mortified she was rewatching it all those years later and seeing all this horrible stuff. But I think the thing that, you know, is easy to overlook is the fact that they, you know, that teenagers are horrible people a lot of the time. There's a lot (laughs) of this horrible stuff goes on and that's what, you know, whether it's, you know, obviously it's not the right thing to make light about it, but I don't think portraying in the cinema is such a bad thing. But anyway, the, um, so (laughs) Plants, Trains and Automobiles hasn't probably aged as badly as a lot of that stuff has but it's still really you know there's a there's a the famous scene from it where um Steve Martin's car's not ready and uh, when he goes to rent it and he just like launches into a string of expletives at the service person behind the counter who's um, got his car for him and this is a very famous scene and it was you know very very funny at the time mostly because Steve Martin's mild-mannered 
you know, everybody's funny uncle and hearing yeah. him hearing him say the F word repeatedly in the face of this very, you know, <laughs> sort of shrinking lady uh, was funny at the time, but this looks horrible now. And it's just kind of like, and it's just awful making fun of, you know, like. But in part, it's just taking that context away. It's like, this is who Steve Martin was. So obviously the scene is playing against type. Against type, Where yeah, now yeah. you don't have that context for it anymore. No, absolutely. And yeah. especially since he's got a bit broader. But um, as I continue to try and watch all the Steve Martin movies, I would... Um, highly encourage everyone to do the same thing of course and um i think that it you know it, it, it's actually really good um the stuff john candy's performance is amazing it really got me sad about john candy it made me think about how um you know like the, the, the i'm sure he was i'm sure if john candy were alive today he would be doing some amazing stuff i really think that he would have been one of those actors that crossed over um in a revival kind of way maybe similar to bill murray so um, i'm not even sure i reckon he probably would have gone the rick moranis route and just more just, or less vanished just disappeared from- you could be right but if you look at the amount of movies he made after this you would be uh forgiven for um <laughs> being completely wrong about this <laughs> the um interestingly like all the review it reviewed incredibly well at the time and it still got a very high rating and all that stuff which which surprised me because it wasn't that much it's not that much better than a lot of the films that um don't uh, reflect as badly, the, uh, reflect as well these days, but um, yeah, fantastic stuff. And a couple of other, other little uh, factoids is that it was for, it was actually John Hughes' first non teenage film. So, okay. um, and then he went off and did a whole bunch of other uh, <laughs> more different stuff. I will say, um, I presume by that it's really first film he directed as opposed to wrote, because uh, like National Lampoon's Vacation would have come out before this film, which yes, he but he, did, he didn't. Uh, hmm. Didn't he write that? And it was directed by Chris Columbus. That sounds right. Yes, Dan. Um, <laughs> but yes, it was, but yeah, Planes, Trains, Automobiles is a, a pro, you know written, produced, and directed kind of John Hughes film. Yeah, as the um, as the big teen films were a John Hughes joint. A John Hughes joint. Um, the other really, there was another funny thing I discovered um, looking this up. Did you know that he wrote a lot of stuff under the um, pseudonym of Edmund Dantes, um, John Hughes, and uh, include and did some just absolutely horrendous films um, as screenwriter um, under this, including like Curly Sue and just. Oh. Well, I'm pretty sure Curly Sue was under. Was his that name actually under his name? Because oh, I was about to make the joke. He also made some terrible films <laughs> under his real name and cite that very movie. Oh, like okay, well, like maybe what have we got here? Um, you know, Baby's Day Out. Maybe that was under his name. No, that as was well. under his name as oh, well. Oh my god, what even, what even what even did he do then? So you know, yes, obviously what didn't stuff, he do? stuff worse than that was on there. But anyway, so there you go. It was a. Uh, uh, as we open the vault of movies long forgotten, maybe that's one that shouldn't be forgotten, I don't think. Well, I'm looking forward to next week when you tell us about My Blue Heaven. <laughs> I'm looking forward to My Blue Heaven. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels yeah. is another one I've thought of. Recently remade. Oh, really? Yeah, mm. with uh, that lady. I'll never the... watch it. Don't even tell me. I don't even care. <laughs> It'll never come close. And of course, my personal favourite, um, often cited by myself as the greatest comedy film of all time despite nobody really uh, acknowledging that Sergeant Bilko (laughs) oh my god (laughs) and of course it's Rebel Wilson and and Hathaway oh my god have you seen um, have you seen Sergeant Bilko lately I have never seen Sergeant Bilko oh my god Dan we've got plans for the weekend now I can't wait for this okay lock it in you know who else is in Sergeant Bilko I'm going to just talk about it for a little minute Uh, Norm MacDonald not Norm MacDonald Phil Hartman Phil Hartman exactly and a cast of other brilliant luminaries. <laughs> other people, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure, Dan. Okay, well, before we start doing our Bilko pod, which okay. will be kicking off next time. And the nanny. And the nanny. 
uh what about like one hot nanny minute and every week we just break down an episode of the nanny minute by minute yep i'm into it done making notes okay so chris yates it has been a pleasure as always if people want more always be watching check out our website alwaysbewatching.com you can find the podcast there you can find the daily newsletter which goes out each and every day with all the tv news and recommendations you need it's literally more than you need i think but you know that's (laughs) that's a good that's a compliment dan don't don't i spent a lot of time on that i know i know i know (laughs) Uh, we've got that and then also if you like this podcast do leave reviews and it helps people find the show and tell your friends about it as well that's how people find podcasts that's right yeah Uh, if people want to find another good podcast that isn't this one I'd like to give a recommendation out there very quickly excellent there is a great podcast called Running From Cops now this is a series that takes an investigative look at the TV show Cops it's six episodes and explores the way the show got up and running to begin with the impact that the show had on american sort of perceptions of police work Mm. but also all the many problematic issues with the production of that show from forcing people to sign releases when they weren't in a good state to do that uh to some of the dodgy things that they showed on the show that were not as they really appeared to be it is an incredible listen and I th- I've only listened to the first three, uh, but I suspect the other three will be just as compelling. But yeah, check that out. That's called Running From Cops, which you can listen to every time that you finish an episode of Always Be Watching. <laughs> that's, that's right. Listen to us first. Yeah, eat your vegetables, kids. Anyway. I'm going I'm to watch some cops now. Go home and watch some. <laughs> You've <laughs> taken the wrong message away from this podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> anyway, well, and the things you said, I'm sure I'll watch them too. Yeah, that's all right. Superstore, you really like it. Oh, I will definitely watch it. You will. I will. I'm telling you. <laughs> Folks, this has been Always Be Watching. We'll be back next week to talk about My Blue Heaven. (laughs) Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Thanks, Chris.